The hag is astride, this night for to ride, the devil and she together. Through thick and through thin, now out and then in, though ne'er so foul be the weather, a thorn or a burr she takes for a spur, with a lash of bramble she rides now, through brakes and through briars, o'er ditches and mires, she follows the spirit that guides now. No beast for his food dares now range the wood, but hushed in his lair he lies lurking, while mischief by these, on land and on seas, at no one of night are working. The storm will arise and trouble the skies this night and more for the wonder. The ghost from the tomb affrighted shall come, called out by the clap of the thunder. The Hag by Robert Herrick Halloween, the time of year where the veil between the living and the dead becomes thin, the air becomes colder, and the atmosphere becomes spooky. This holiday has misguided associations with evil, and perhaps not so misguided associations with mischief. These negative connections made to this holiday have spawned various urban legends, legends of poison candy and satanic activity. But is there any truth to these contemporary myths? Let's find out tonight on this sickly sweet episode of Snipe Hunt. Welcome, ghouls, goblins, and other creatures of the night to Snipe Hunt, your truly frightening folklore podcast. I am your ghostly guide to sweet treats, Darren Young. And I am your ghastly guide to terrifying tricks, Gary Clevenstein. And joining us today is my friend Lindsay from the podcast Quib Talk. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, I was like, did we lose her? Yeah. <laughs> no, just try not to interrupt. <laughs> no, all good. Uh, welcome to the show. Before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about Quib Talk? It's basically a show that me and one of my friends decided to start in like January, I think, um, just to have a way to connect and hang out together because um, she lives in Chicago and I'm here in Arkansas. So we're far away and, and we both, I guess, like attention. So we wanted to do it <laughs> where other people could witness it. I don't know. Um, but we do one show a week where we watch a movie or um, like a limited series or something that's trending that week and then kind of review that. And then we do another episode where it's basically us just blabbing about anything and everything. We try to stay on hot topics like in the media and stuff, but we're very bad about that. So usually we're just blabbing. That's about it. I listen to podcasts all day at work. And uh, so I was like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to Lindsay's podcast. So I put on an episode and go figure the one that I pick is like 10 minutes long. <laughs> you, guys, <laughs> you guys were like talking about a, a, a TV show on Netflix or something. I don't know. But it was like 11 minutes long. 
That's like yeah, it's probably the shortest one we have ever made because typically Megan, like, she never stops talking. So um, when we first <laughs> I, I started recording, that when I checked it out, <laughs> she wow. never ever stops talking. So when we first started, like, we would record it would literally be like three to four hours, and I'd have to cut it down and try and get it like around an hour because I'm like, wow, we can't have a four hour podcast. Like, that's ridiculous. Joe Rogan um, does it. <laughs> Well, I'm not Joe Rogan. Yeah. And I don't listen to Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. My ex-boss was obsessed with him, but I'm not a I'm not a fan. But uh no, she never ever stops talking and it works out um because I half the time don't really know what to say, so I just let her blab and I'll chime in and then I have one friend who loves to watch just to see my surprised expressions whenever she tells me something and it's not anything I'm expecting and so I'm like genuinely shocked <laughs> well then you're gonna be you're so gonna be perfect funny. here because that's what we need is just you <laughs> chiming in <laughs> yeah you guys you guys do video too right yeah yeah we yeah, yeah. We do video okay yeah that's cool yeah. we're gonna we're gonna move to video eventually but for now i think we're just gonna keep it audio but yeah i caught a lot of the episode of about britney spears's uh con- conservatorship oh, whatever it's called i haven't listened to that no that, that was interesting because i actually didn't really know much about it so Oh, you guys that's crazy. About. Yeah. 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 It's Actually, just a weird we need to do an update on that because it's totally changed. Um, oh, yeah. 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 Sure. I'm not going to go actually, into that, though, because that's not what this episode's about. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk all day yeah. about it, I bet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually met Lindsay probably about, what was it, like six or seven years ago? Probably longer Fun. than that like, because yeah. I was three or four relationships ago. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, it's probably like 10 years. <laughs> we, met, we met through karaoke. Oh yeah, that that an, makes sense. An app on uh, an app for karaoke. That's so. Yeah. You're in southern Arkansas, and we're in northwest. No, Arkansas. I'm not. I'm in northeast. You're in northeast. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm okay. I'm by Missouri, but I'm by the Boot Hill of Missouri, like close okay, to Tennessee. Okay, so you're on the and... other corner. All right, yeah. I get you. Okay, I was wrong. Yep, Anyways, corner. all right. Well, uh, welcome to the show, Gary. If you'd like to get us started. Oh yeah. Okay. The spookiest of holidays is upon us. Leaves are dying and falling to the ground in decay. It is freezing but cold outside. It is so cold God right dang, now. The wind is god awful. Pumpkins are grinning. Candy is quickly leaving store shelves. And everyone is finalizing their costumes. It's Halloween. And tonight, we'll be exploring Halloween urban legends. That's right. We will be discussing a few of the most popular urban legends that have spawned off of All Hallows' Eve, exploring their origins and seeing if there's any truth to them. We're definitely running the gambit on the amount of topics for this episode. Um, we do we do have a bit of a disclaimer. There will be a couple sections of this episode where we'll be talking about suicide and animal cruelty. We won't get too graphic, but I understand if not everyone wants to hear about it, just a heads up. Also... We got a new five-star review. Oh, nice. <laughs> a very rare occurrence for us. <laughs> Not because people don't like us, but it's just people don't usually leave reviews. So uh, thank you, anonymous <laughs> reviewer, for the love. If you did leave a comment, which you didn't, we would have been able to give you a shout out. But thank you nonetheless. Uh, this is a good reminder to all listeners to go leave a review if you haven't already. Trevor. I'm confused. Trevor is my friend. Who's he Trevor? said he's going to leave a review. Oh. <laughs> and he hasn't oh. left a review yet. <laughs> So I'm calling listen? him out. Does he actually listen? On, yes. Yes, oh. he does. He's in my band. And every band practice, he's like, when is the next episode? I'm like, I'm working on it. I watch one. <laughs> there's one of your guys that do a TikTok. It's the same guy every time. It's yeah. just him. Zach, the guy with the long hair. 
Oh, is it Zach? I don't know. Well, well actually, the TikTok might be the short hair guy, which I is think Tim. He's a short hair guy. Okay, that's Tim. Yeah. Okay. He's the only guy that makes TikToks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of TikToks, how's your yeah. how's yours coming for the podcast, Gary? <laughs> You're right. How's that going? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm building it up, man. I'm building. It up. <laughs> okay. Like, okay. Greatest TikToks ever. <laughs> I believe you. Um. So what what is your guys's uh, favorite candy to get on Halloween? Um, trick or treating candy. I would say Snickers. Oh man, those are the rich houses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so imagine you're you're in costume. You're you're a little kid, Gary. Mm-hmm. Maybe ten years old. I don't know about a little kid. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was a yeah. Okay, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> but you're all dressed up in co- and your little Ninja Turtles costume. And you're going to the door and you receive your favorite candy of all time. What is it? It was like Wednesday. It was Snickers. Like the 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 like the full size candy bars you know like yeah the, like the snickers or the, right the reese's or the you know uh, there was a um so around from my like around the corner from my great grandmother's house there was a mm-hmm. guy who worked for like little debbie or something and he would give oh. each kid an oh. entire box of snacks cakes oh, it was no. so that sounds cool. amazing like when you're like six or seven and he gives you this whole box of snack cakes it's like holy shit, this is amazing yeah. <laughs> was... i bet those parents were pissed <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, that's amazing though. <laughs> I'd get upset whenever I'd get like candy corn or the the wretched old ladies give you oranges, corn. oranges or apples. I have never received a piece of fruit. I have received plenty of candy corn. Actually, yeah, I don't. I don't hate it. Sweet I don't like tarts, it. Like sweet tarts. Do you care if you got sweet tarts? I like sweet tarts. Do you? Yeah. I like sweet tarts. I'm not picky. No. Okay. I, I was boring. I, I like just just the regular, just plain old Hershey's milk Smarties? chocolate. Smarties. And Smarties were all right. But just just the plain chocolate was my favorite ones because that's what I was really after. Everything else like nougat or peanuts or caramel was just all in the way of the chocolate. So, <laughs> well, we are about to talk about candy, so let's start out with our main subject: Halloween sadism. Now, other than sounding like a great name for a goth rock or a black metal band, what exactly is this phenomenon? Well, I have the answer for you. Halloween sadism is the practice of giving out contaminated or tampered candy or other harmful objects to children on Halloween during the traditional practice of trick-or-treating. You've probably heard this from your parents dozens of times. Let us check your candy before you start eating it. They then dig through your delicious bounty, carefully examining each sweet morsel, maybe even holding some up to the light, looking for any small holes, slits, or other abnormalities. They did this because they were concerned, as they heard stories of psychos hiding needles and razor blades inside of candy or even handing out poison treats on Halloween. I heard of people putting drugs in Halloween. Yeah. Candy. And yeah. I'm like, that is I've never been BS. lucky enough to get those. <laughs> I was say, that is BS. Who's going to give away free drugs? Look, if they started right. giving out like drug candy, I would be out there trick-or-treating. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> For free? Are you kidding me? Uh You may have rolled your eyes at this claim partially due to disbelief and partially due to your impatience to eat your hard-earned confectionaries. But is any of this true? My ex-wife was big on inspecting, you know, your cousin was big on, I know her. Yeah. Was, was big on checking the Halloween candy, but I think she was actually legitimately concerned. Whereas I wanted first dibs. (laughs) That's how I am. Yeah. Let me like, check your candy. See, let me let me get the Snickers right. out of here first. They're right. probably not safe. I better take <laughs> those. Is, yeah. yeah, this one's definitely bad. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'll no, throw that away. Real there's quick. no air in this one. <laughs> this one's for me. 
Well, let's go ahead and look at, at one of the few confirmed cases of Halloween sadism and likely the case that spawned countless urban legends. Here's the headline for a short article published in the New York Times on November 3rd, 1950. Punish Halloween with which angry parents demand? That's good. Okay, thank you. Uh, this article details an incident of a woman who decided to literally play the part of a witch during the Halloween night of 1950, in which she, quote, tortured and tormented innocent children. My kind of lady. No, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 13-year-old Roland Colville said that the woman invited his group of costume trick-or-treaters inside and came out of the kitchen holding a pan. She then flicked the pan, which tossed coins up into the air and onto the floor. The naive children rushed to pick up their treasure, only to be met with searing pain as the coins had been heated up on the stove <laughs> moments before. Jeez. The nine children ran from the house screaming. The identity of the witch was never made public knowledge, but she was arrested and presumably burned at the stake just kidding i mean we don't know for sure but... <laughs> oh i was like the, in 1950 <laughs> <laughs> this is halloween's eight of summer she's just having a little a little trick instead of a tree i mean hot coins isn't really that bad i mean it did say they were still nursing their wounds afterwards but i mean how much damage can hot coins do really just hurt for a little while as i You'll don't live. have any children and don't want any children this is hilarious. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about sharp objects and candy. Let's do it. Uh, Halloween sadism can take several forms, and this next one has us on pins and needles. But let's cut right to the chase. Sharp objects in Halloween treats. There have been reports of razor blades in apples and in candies for decades. This is definitely the most image-conjuring case of tampered treats. I don't know if you guys watch the new Chucky. No. The new series. Mm -mm. It, no. It, I just keep seeing the image in my head, but this little boy, there's a razor blade sticking out of the, this apple when he looks at it, he stares at it. He knows exactly what it is. And then he just bites into it because he's Ow. a psycho psychopath. Anyways. All right. <laughs> <laughs> On research, a picture kept coming up uh, of a Canadian police officer holding up an apple with a razor blade stuck in it dated 1968. And this is part of a short video showing several tampered ap apples. Tampered apples. Tampered apples. Tampered apples. From, from Minnesota. <laughs> but no corresponding story accompanied it. <laughs> several reports have been turned in about blades, pins, and needles and fruits, popcorn balls, and candy. Ooh, popcorn balls. That was another one that I was like, ugh. Anyways. What? I have popcorn balls in my pantry right now. <laughs> I, I really like them. You put them popcorn balls in your mouth? <laughs> Sorry. It depends on whether or not they have a razor blade. <laughs> but despite only. all the reports and evidence, I only put them in my mouth. Uh, but despite all the reports and evidence, most police, newspapers, and independent researchers have come to the same conclusion. It's a hoax. Seemingly all cases investigated revealed that the children themselves placed the blades in their candy to either prank their parents or gain attention. And even in most cases where a sharp object was found in candy, it was almost always placed there by someone they knew as a prank. 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 Quote, unquote. Quote. If, you, if someone you know um, puts razors in your food as a prank, you, you should probably not be friends with them Get anymore. Get better friends. Yeah. yeah, agreed. Luckily to this day, 
there have been no reports of serious injuries caused by sharp objects and candies. See, I've never, I've never been motivated enough. I, I don't want to take the time. I don't even want to go to the store and buy the crap. I don't even want to deal with trick or treaters, honestly. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, I just. I mean, how many trick-or-treaters come to your house? None. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, because of the hill. Because of the hill. It's a dead end, so they don't want to go down there anyway. (laughs) Anyways, although that that, that does not mean that this doesn't happen at all. In 2019, 37-year-old Jason Rax was arrested when razor blades were found in the bottom of the bags of trick-or-treaters in Waterbury, Connecticut. The razors were loose in the bag and not inserted into any Halloween treats. He was charged with risk of injury to a minor, reckless endangerment, and interfering with a police officer and held on a $250,000 bond. Wow. Yeah. Rax claimed that the razors were accidentally spilled into the candy bag. And when asked if he wanted to hurt the kids, he responded, I would not have put the blades in the candy bags, but inject the candy with drugs. Sir, you are not helping your case. Right. Right. That does not make them believe that you accidentally put the razors in there. No, 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 no. I wouldn't have put razors loose in a bag. That's stupid. I would have just injected the candy itself with drugs. drugs. I'm not an idiot. (laughs) Not a monster. (laughs) Another case occurred in Salisbury, North Carolina, where a 12 year old boy received minor injuries after biting into a Snickers bar and discovering a needle inside. A different child also received tampered candy, but was not injured. Police followed the trail back to an 11-year-old who was visiting relatives and handing out the tampered candy. Felony charges were filed against the 11-year-old and was referred to the Round County Juvenile Court after receiving a mental evaluation. So it was another kid putting this stuff in the yeah, candy. I can see that. Yeah. Because kids are a-holes. Because kids are psychopaths, dude. They are. Yeah. I say this all the time. I did find it interesting that it was like felony charges, like immediately. Um, I didn't find out if he ever got sentenced or anything. I mean, they wouldn't release his name for obvious reasons, but um, he did go to court. And considering they're charging with a felony, then he he probably did some time in juvie. But yeah, that's just one we've heard about constantly growing up. It's just, you know, any kind of tampered candy, but mostly the SARP objects or right anything like that. But luckily, uh, it doesn't seem like... That's there's been very many cases, definitely not the widespread thing, because like newspapers every year, just like, hey, look out for your look at your kids candy this year. And it's just like, okay, but you're not going to find anything. Yeah, I I just I mean, I will like if it's unwrapped. Yeah, that goes. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's 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 just hygienic more than (laughs) just like like, it's good. Where has this been stuck to? Yeah, I mean, especially since COVID's still a thing right now. So. Yeah, I'm yeah. wondering how that's going to go this year. Yeah, trick or treating. I did get some more candy uh, last year. I didn't get any, and as I mentioned on previous episode, I ate I ate all of it, and that's how I got the cavity in my tooth. <laughs> I am getting to the age now where I I would like to hand out candy. You know, yeah, used to I would wouldn't mess with, it, but I can see how you'd be excited about it because you actually dress up. Yeah, I actually have a costume, and it, right. I, they're actually scary costumes that freak out little kids, which is hilarious to me. So, but I give them handfuls of candy, so. Good candy. I don't give them like the, the good stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess last year technically was, but uh, my parents are going to the Smoky Mountains this weekend, so they're not here. But typically my parents and we and the kids all dress up and like theme together. Um, and we'll oh, do like cool. a trunk or treat about candy. But like one year um, it was like a vampire theme. And my dad for my daughter, because she was the vampire, he like built a coffin for her to like lay in. Oh, wow. Wow. They're at like our little trunk or treat. Like we decorate the whole area. I mean, my family goes all out typically. That's awesome. Uh, no, you get along with. But they're going great. to Smoky Mountain, so 
I'm not doing that this year. I'm boring. I'm boring. I don't decorate for I don't decorate for Halloween. I don't do Christmas. Well, see, I don't really decorate for Halloween, but that's mostly because Halloween decorations are super expensive. Yeah, that is true. You got to get them the day after, dude. Yeah, next year. I do. I do a little bit. I mean, I. I, Yeah, yeah, we do that. Like after, we'll go buy a ton of stuff that's like on clearance. Um, Uh, Yeah, that's a good idea. And then my parents have, so they have two houses and at one of their houses, like one whole room is just holiday decorations, like tons of totes of holiday decorations. <laughs> um, it's ridiculous. Like they have That's way awesome. too much stuff, but there's like a huge, you know, collection of stuff that if you need something, they've likely got it. <laughs> Yeah, that's so. And one day that crap will all be yours and you're going to have to sort <laughs> through it. <laughs> no, I'll just donate it all. Donate it to me. So much stuff. They're both pack rats. They have so much stuff. It's ridiculous. Well, they sound very festive for (laughs) sure. They are. They're extremely festive. Well, let's continue with our next type of Halloween sadism, of which the first case happened all the way back in 1812. A young girl received what looked to be a delicious apple from a local farmer's wife. The girl cut up the apple and enjoyed the delicious fruit, but soon the girl fell over and appeared to be dead. A funeral was held for the girl, but the family was unwilling to bury her in the ground out of sight. That must have been a really good apple. Yeah, right? So they kept the girl's body in a glass coffin and put her to rest above the ground in the nearby woods. Soon after, a young man, who is handsome but also a huge creep, decided to kiss the body of the presumed dead girl. But the kiss woke up the young girl and went to live with the boy in his castle. That girl's name was Snow White. We got just to like the delicious apple. I started yeah. thinking of Snow White. I was hoping. I didn't read this far ahead either. Like That's I skimmed good, good. over everything, but I was like, "This sounds like Snow White." And then you kept going, and I'm like, "This still sounds like Snow like, White." Wow, it's very this. detailed. I raised an eyebrow when it said a handsome. I was like, "What does him? What does him being handsome have to do with that?" It's because he was yeah. a handsome prince, Gary. It's part of the story. okay but but for real let's talk about poison candy uh the concept of these toxic treats have roots all the way back in the industrial revolution where the u.s u.s borough of chemistry tested hundreds of kinds of candy in response to claims that the candy was poison but no evidence of poison was found and the candy related illnesses were attributed to indigestion and food poisoning due to poor hygiene or other food contaminating the candy so it's basically like Candy's not poison. Your kids are just gross. (laughs) (laughs) And kids are gross. I mean, I'm just on a huge kid-hating rant this episode. (laughs) Uh, The rumors of strangers giving out poison confectionaries may have its roots in the cultural shifts of the 1960s, in which there was greater racial integration and young people were starting to reject the societal roles given to them. This shift may have made the stiffer and possibly racist older generation uncomfortable with strangers and therefore cause a mistrust and even fear with their children interacting with their neighbors in activity these children would do on Halloween. So just like all folklore and urban legends, you can trace it back to the uh, culture of the time. Gotcha. Sociologist Joel Best of the University of Delaware published a study in 1985 titled The Razorblade and the Apple. The Social Construction of Urban Legends. Best collected newspaper reports of alleged candy tampering from 1958 to 1982. And out of this 24-year period, he found 76 reported cases, of which only 20 involved injury of any kind, and a few of those were revealed to be hoaxes. Basically, similar to sharp objects, poison candy seems to be even more of a myth, with even fewer, if any, verifiable cases. 
But before we blame the media for blowing the poison candy myth out of proportion, the media has actually reported very little on this. It seems the primary spread of this urban legend is through word of mouth, although there have been some realish cases that helped fuel this fire. You know, media does report on this every once in a while, but it's not like something that they blew out of proportion. It was just it was just in the zeitgeist of the time, especially around Halloween. In 1959, dentist William Shine actually did give out poison candy if you consider laxative a poison. He was promptly charged with public indecency and unlawful dispensing of drugs. Wait. Public indecency. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where the, that's what he was charged. I don't know what it stemmed <laughs> from, but maybe that, maybe something else. But uh, so I know someone who's had that happen to them. So I have just an aunt and uncle on the, on the side of the road. <laughs> no, they had. They have four kids, and the youngest one um, was the one who would always be taking everybody's candy and eating everything, and she liked to eat a lot. So she kept taking the other one's candy. And so they switched it out with the chocolate laxative bars. Oh. <laughs> and she That's got good. so sick from that. And they all <laughs> said they got beat over it. <laughs> oh, see, I thought you but were that talking it was well about, knew, worth that whipping. The way you <laughs> set that, that up. To the I, younger thought, sister. I thought you were setting it up that you knew somebody that got a public indecency. <laughs> no, 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 no. About the laxative uh, candy. Yeah, I, I was wondering where it was going. I was yeah. like, it could be one of the two things but yeah <laughs> no laxative candy <laughs> well that's good that's good yeah i've never had the, any chocolate laxative i don't even know if it tastes good probably not right i, know, I don't I, think i've ever eaten I've laxative the root chocolate beer, before the root beer flavored laxative. <laughs> the root beer, i'm sorry <laughs> yeah there's a root beer flavor that sounds disgusting uh probably was <laughs> probably years. i feel like if it was truly disgusting you would have remembered it so it must be not must have not been that bad you're right Probably just you just need like sugar-free gummy bears. That'll take care of it. Oh yeah, or the, oh, or the, or the uh, sugar-free Reese's peanut butter cups. They're oh, delicious. Man. I can eat like the whole bag of those little things at really? once, and I then I really I regret ate, it for like the next I three ate days. Two pounds of sliced apples, dude. <laughs> that was a bad idea, dude. That's so much fiber. <laughs> that was a lot. Like I was, I, was pro- I delivered propane to a food pantry, and she let me go shopping, and I got two pounds of sliced apples, and I ate them all within. <laughs> Good lord, dude! Two hours. <laughs> oh, that's bad. Oh. Anyways, all right, continue. The real events of the Chicago Tylenol murders also contributed to the legend. In 1982, in Chicago, seven people died as a result of taking Tylenol that had been laced with potassium cyanide. The mystery of these poisonings were never truly solved, and occurred during September and October of that year, causing parents to be extra cautious with their children's candy on Halloween. That makes sense. I mean, there's a mass poisoner about. <laughs> it's just rat poison, right? It's, I think so. Actually, that's a good question. I didn't look it up. <laughs> but uh, we'll get to some more potassium cyanide here in a second. Several famous cases of Halloween candy poisoning were later revealed to be false, such as the 1970 death of five-year-old Kevin Tostin, whose family claimed that heroin was sprinkled in the boy's Halloween candy and that he died as a result of ingesting it. The poor child did indeed die due to consuming heroin, but the drug came from his uncle's stash, and the family was attempting to cover for the uncle. Wow. Uh, another, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, if if uh, if one of my family members killed my kid by uh, just leaving, there's no way in hell I wouldn't cover for him. For him. Yeah, no, I definitely wouldn't cover for him. How dare you kill my kid? That was my job, <laughs> you sob. <laughs> that was my heroin. <laughs> that was my heroin. <laughs> <laughs> and you just left it out. Yeah. Another more malicious case of poisoning was the death of Timothy O'Brien. 
the child went trick-or-treating accompanied by his father, Ronald O'Brien, and decided to eat some of his candy before bed. The father helped him choose a pixie stick. The powder wasn't coming out, so Ronald held loose in the powder, and his son then consumed the candy. Timothy complained that it tasted bitter and began vomiting and convulsing. Unfortunately, the child died en route to the hospital. It was soon discovered that the poisoned pixie stick did not come from a stranger's house, but from the father, Ronald O'Brien, who poisoned his own son to collect life insurance. Uh, Ronald also gave the potassium cyanide lace candy to his daughter and three other children to cover up his crime, but luckily the other children never ate the candy. It's because pixie sticks are disgusting. (laughs) Sorry. Especially this one. Uh, He was convicted of capital murder in 1975 and executed in 1984. This heinous Halloween poisoning earned O'Brien the nicknames The Candyman and The Man Who Killed Halloween. So yeah, that's that's messed up. That's really messed up. The part that really got me was he was like, here, take this pixie stick, and they couldn't get it out. So he was like, here, let me loosen the yeah. candy inside the pixie yeah. stick for you. Like he's had like, all these opportunities. How many times have you thought about it? Yeah. Exactly. And, like, all these still opportunities. decided to keep doing it. Yeah. At any point, could he just stopped and was like, why am I doing this? Yeah. It's kind of messed up. But he just kept going nonstop and even gave it out to other kids. So that's like pretty much the only true actual case of uh, Halloween poisoning and candy. But uh, it's done by a family member, unfortunately. One of the possible reasons why poison candy is such a prevalent belief might be that many people will read or hear about the initial story about Halloween sadism, but will not read the follow-up story in which the real cause was discovered. Yeah. And that that's how a lot of rumors get started is... Uh, Newspapers report them, and then people just never read the follow-up because it's not as interesting. So the bottom line is, Halloween sadism is real, somewhat, but the cases of strangers handing out tampered candy are extremely slim, and that 99.99999% of Halloween candy is safe for your child to eat. There has never once been a case of a child dying due to tampered candy received while trick-or-treating. This urban legend along with other myths like higher kidnapping rates on Halloween, spurred the creation of a new Halloween activity, Trunk or Treat, which in sheltered children go to church parking lots to trick or treat safely. The lots are lined with cars with open and often decorated trunks, and each trunk is manned by a church member who hands out non-poison candy without even one razor blade. Not a single razor blade among the candy. (laughs) How boring. (laughs) So yeah, is it just supposed to be an inconvenience? Because it, I mean, it, it's obviously not meant to kill. No, yeah, it's supposed to be just you know just to cause some pain, hence mm-hmm. the sadism part of it. But yeah, there's never been really been any. There's been injuries, but they yeah. all have been they've all been minor. What fun is that? Not witnessing it, and like sadism, the the joy of seeing it happen. Well, maybe it's just the thought think- that you did it. But, sitting there at home after after you've handed out all the candy like yeah. <laughs> cackling to yourself oh, and rubbing your hands kids are getting hurt right now and it's yeah. all because of me bunch of bleeding tongues <laughs> I, I always I, I always just picture it like getting stuck in the roof of your mouth and I'm just like oh, oh, it's like oh crunch. that's a terrible thought <laughs> even sharper yeah. well I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's sharper than Captain Crunch but yeah yeah <laughs> Similar rumors have surfaced about drug dealers putting LSD in temporary tattoos, which are then given out to children in order for the dealers to gain new customers by getting the kids hooked to LSD as they put the tampered tattoos on their skin. That's actually pretty clever. Well, supposedly. (laughs) Uh, Although LSD can be absorbed through the skin, there is a problem with putting the drug in temporary tattoos. 
you have to wet the tattoo in order to apply them. This would at best dilute the LSD, if not just totally negate the effects. There has never been a, a single. Idea. How do you know, Lindsay? You just said it was a good <laughs> idea, but then it said it's really not because it's diluted. That's true. Touche. There has never Touché. been a single verifiable case, verifiable case uh, for LSD temporary tattoos. Plus, LSD is not even chemically addictive. So, how are you going to bring in new customers if it's not? And how would they addictive? know? Like, yeah, well, how I would guess they, find they may you? know. Yeah, like, how would they even know who it was that gave them that? Is LSD acid? Yes. Yes. I think I so. Yeah, I think so. I'm like, I'm a little bit rusty. Ninety percent sure. But yeah, this these were like the I think they were like the blue star tattoos. So watch out, parents, if you have a blue star tattoo in your uh, kid's Halloween bag, you got to throw it out. It's laced with LSD. So I will also be on the lookout for. Them. We're gonna go to Walmart tomorrow. See a bunch <laughs> I will of be keeping a close eye for those. A bunch of parents with blue star tattoos, temporary tattoos on. That's a joke. Because yeah, never mind. Yeah, (laughs) never mind. So yeah, not definitely not the best recruiting tactic. Um, so enjoy those sugary sweets until your teeth fall out, as mine did. And as for drugs and candy, no one is spending thousands of dollars to make perfect recreations of name brand candy that is actually laced with drugs. Drug dealers typically do not give out their product for free. Although wheat candy does exist, there and there is the possibility that it might be given out accidentally. So I guess watch out for that special candy because that candy is for the parents to enjoy. <laughs> but but definitely keep an eye out for witches with pans full of hot coins. <laughs> They'll get you. We are now at the section covering animal cruelty. So if this is something you would like to not hear about, just skip ahead of it. Um, Halloween has its roots in the ancient pagan Gaelic festival of Samhain, spelled Samhain, but not pronounced Samhain. <laughs> a celebration marking the end of the harvest season and the beginning of the darker months of winter. So when was marked by large gatherings and feasts, and it was the time when the souls of the dead would enter the world of the living. I'm just curious. Did you listen to a, to figure out how to pronounce that? Did you listen to something? Yeah. I, well, I've heard it a few times before on other podcasts. And my mind cannot wrap my head around you reading it that way. And then yeah. reading it on this thing that way. Sam Hain, And then you're saying Sawain. Yeah. Sawain, Sawain, Sawain. I've always pronounced it. Um, Sawin. Sawin. Yeah. Sawin. I'm not sure if there's an actual like, oh, this is how you say it, because I'm pretty sure, you know, the language it's based off of has been long dead. So it's kind of like Latin, like no one knows how you actually pronounce it. So they just make their best guess. It's just yeah, like. I think I actually, I joined a pagan church a long time ago and it was, I mean, for a couple different reasons, like for one, I was interested, but. I'm a very curious person and I like to know what goes on um, and things that I don't know about. So I joined because I want to know what the hell they did. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I like, I did the full year and a day of studying it so that I could go through a dedication weekend to know what they do in a dedication weekend. Oh, wow. Like I am a dedicated person I was to gonna say, studying. That's dedication. Like, sounds like, yeah. yeah. Legit. It was it was wild. I can't tell you what happened because you're sworn to secrecy. Um, but I did see things that I cannot explain. Um, oh, interesting. Mind blowing. How do um, they pronounce it? <laughs> Samhain. Samhain. Okay, we'll we'll go with Samhain then. Samhain. Samhain. I, I had to think about it though. I figured they have the they have the biggest <laughs> authority <laughs> out of out of all of us. That's cool though. <laughs> This festival would also involve sacrifices, an offering of plants or animals to the powers of darkness to keep them at bay for another year. 
Legend has it that this practice has carried into the modern day, and then on Halloween, satanic cults are sacrificing black cats to the devil. Now I've heard of that. I don't. I think I've heard a little bit of it, but I don't think that's more think that's one true. I grew up with. Well, well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I mean, in the satanic church, uh, they're tr- traditionally like they believe in not harming anything. Um, right, right, yeah. And so that's, I can't imagine they would do that. The, and yeah, now that, maybe that fake ones, out. but uh, right, like the real yeah, ones. Yeah, that would. stems out to the Church of Satan. That stems out to uh, Wiccans. It's and yeah. other pagan followings it's you know like their number one rule is just do not harm so yeah uh, many animal shelters will bar the adoption of black cats in the days leading up to halloween that's smart uh, in 1999 the director of animal placement for the american society for the prevention of cruelty to animals hetty Litke, would even go on record saying this is a time when blood rituals take place black cats are often sacrificed Litke then relayed a creepy account about a woman who adopted a black cat. We called two days later to check on the cat, and she told us the cat was dead. The woman wouldn't tell the ASPCA how the cat died, but said workers could pick up the body. When we got there, she was gone, and so was the cat. Litke said, all we found was an empty apartment. We never found the body. Ooh, spooky. Many shelters report increased demand for black cats in the weeks leading up to the spooky holiday. In 1997, shelter workers at the Brooklyn Animal Resource Coalition in Williamsburg were on high alert when a woman dressed as a witch came in and insisted on adopting a black cat. We told her no, said Bark Vice President Vinnie Spinola. Oh, Vinnie Spinola. Yo, we told her no. Vinnie Spinola. We told her no. (laughs) (laughs) whose shelter receives more than a dozen requests for black cats each Halloween and also has issued a temporary hold on black cat adoptions. We knew she only wanted the cat for a Halloween ritual. You know, when I when I was writing this, I literally didn't even it didn't even occur to me that that was like the most Italian American <laughs> name of all time, and that you would do a voice for it. But I'm glad it worked out that way. Yeah. But why black cats? In most Western cultures, black cats can be considered symbols of bad luck or evil omens, as well as good luck. Uh, dual nature, just like many beings in folklore. With their piercing eyes, nocturnal and slinking nature, and the fur the color of death, one can see why the overly superstitious or the overly religious would consider these inky felines otherworldly. They have a historical perception of being evil fairies in disguise familiars of witches and demons, and of being an integral part, integral tool of witchcraft. Witches often transform themselves into black cats and other dark animals, according to the lore. These misguided beliefs led to mass cat burnings in Europe from the Middle Ages all the way up to the 1800s as a form of protection from evil as well as sadistic entertainment. So this I had no idea about at all. I didn't know people just threw cats on a pile and burned them in mass. <laughs> that is messed up. <laughs> I know that they do that to dogs. Who does that to dogs? On Facebook. There's always that one friend that shares videos you don't want to watch. Yes. But you <laughs> you hit play on it. Like you see a dog and you're like, oh okay, I'll look at this video. And I remember seeing one of these dogs getting burnt and 
That's right. messed up. Oh man, never mind. Reminds me of Rotten.com. Right. Do you remember yeah, yeah. that? No, yeah, I don't remember that. That's, yeah, that's from I've like definitely heard 2000s. about it. I had yeah. no. Oh, yeah. It's like Faces of Death. Yeah, that was like the first com. thing I ever did on the internet. Was oh no, Rotten.com. <laughs> you were desensitizing yourself. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I've seen I've seen like videos of people like rescuing dogs from like uh, from like butcher processing facilities over in like China and stuff. So regardless, I think we can all agree. You know what? I'm just I'm going to take a bold stance here and people are probably I'm probably going to receive hate for it. But I don't think we should uh, torture animals, eat or kill yeah. dogs. <laughs> yeah, I said animals, but I, I meant everything but cows and chickens <laughs> and pigs. And, you know, and most other animals (laughs) that are delicious. (laughs) They're delicious. So the folklore has evolved from killing cats as a form of protection from evil to sacrificing cats in order to invoke evil. But is any of this really true? Well, the unfortunate truth is that there are sick people who torture and kill animals, and cats are the prime victims of this. And it is also true that the demand for black cats does go up around Halloween. Hmm. But there's no real evidence that cases of animal torture or killings occur more in October than any other month of the year. Most of the ev- evidence is anecdotal at best. I'm just thinking like when I have a cat, black cat run out in front of me while I'm driving, that freaks me out. I, well, yeah, because, you know, I'm superstition, the whole yeah. bad luck thing. Mm-hmm. And that's been I mean, a thing just for me because I don't want to hit it. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you hear about an animal killing in June. You may not really make any other connections. However, if you hear about an animal killing in October, you might make a connection between the killing and the holiday of Halloween and attribute it to the occult. Uh, As Michael F. Ryan, an investigator with the Baltimore State's Attorney's Office, who has advised police departments on the practices of devil worshippers, had this to say on the matter. It's no more significant than a white dog. A brown dog or a polka-dotted kangaroo, he said. The more attention to people... Wait, I messed that up. The more attention (laughs) people give to this myth, it just helps to ride along on a wave that takes on a life of its own. It's just not there. I'm getting a real... Ah! Like a takeoff sunglasses. (laughs) About I'm getting a real Rorschach from Watchmen vibes. (laughs) But, you know... I kind of lost a little bit when you said polka dotted kangaroos (laughs) 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 kind of ruined the vibe a little bit. Uh, Now the reason why the demand for these dark felines rises in October is due to the same reason why the demand for rabbits rise around Easter time. They're either used as a holiday prop or they might be a festive impulse buy. either way. It is still a good idea for shelters to defer black animal adoptions until November. I'd like to test that. Yeah, I want to call the animal shelter tomorrow and say, "Hey, do you guys, do you guys have any black cats for well, adopt?" I actually, <laughs> when I, when I went to research for this, I literally had no idea about either the black cat sacrifice, mm-hmm. alleged black cat sacrifice, or the uh, bar on adoption on uh, black cat adoptions. I was talking to Susan about it. She's like, "Oh yeah, they do that all the time." Huh. So yeah, yeah, because I was just thinking about maybe they, I don't know. But Gary, if not- you go in looking for a black cat and they have one. And they just say, wait till November. You have to adopt it because you already came in and you're interested. So, yeah, no. <laughs> and you've gotten that cat's hopes up. Yeah. yeah. Like, 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 man, come like, yeah, I'm going to give it a home. And it never gets its home. Oh. Yeah, Gary. That's so sad. Hey, now. You sick, sick man. <laughs> 
Now, while we're talking about animal adoptions, let's dispel another myth that black animals in shelters are less likely to be adopted. This is simply not true. According to research done by the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty uh, to Animals, while black cats are, do come into shelters more often than any other color cat, black cats actually have some of the highest adoption rates. So it kind of balances out. They're the most going in, but they're also the most going out. Uh, now, this might vary depending on the region and on the shelter, but the data that we have points towards black cats actually being the cat's meow. You're welcome. <laughs> Similar, to <this. laughs> Similar to this, an email chain was sent out 2012 claiming that Halloween was National Kill-A-Pitbull Day and urged pitbull owners to keep their beloved pitties inside. This was, in fact, an anonymous satirical prank aimed at Terry Jordan, a councilman of Slater, Missouri, who helped develop a vicious animal ordinance aimed specifically at the pit bull breed. The ordinance was later changed to what Jordan described as a vicious dog ordinance, not a pit bull specific ordinance. So yeah, this guy's politician took aim at pit bulls and then pit bull owners made this post. It's like, oh, it might as well be national kill a pit bull day. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny and yeah. I'm glad it's not actually <laughs> national kill right. a pit bull day. These legends really rode upon the waves of the satanic panics that occurred throughout the 80s and 90s, spurred on by proven frauds like Mike Warnke. He was definitely a character. Uh, Last podcast on the left has a great little series on him if you're interested, but he's basically just like the biggest pathological liar you would ever meet. Um, These panics, though, were taken extremely seriously, especially by law enforcement, even culminating in a 50-page document called Satanic Cult Awareness. Written by Galen W. Hurst and Robert L. Marsh, this document was created to act as a manual for law enforcement to be aware of and recognize, quote, satanic cult activity. You can actually still find this document on the official Office of Justice Programs Government website. The reality is that this alleged widespread occult activity is non-existent, and the police were essentially on a ghostly goose chase for decades. Although I am sure there were isolated incidents that matched the satanic cult criteria, the vast majority of it was either teens messing around at Halloween or total fabrication. During the satanic panic, uh, D&D and metal were huge indicators of satanic activity. Yeah, it's literally in the manual. (laughs) By that criteria, I would definitely be considered a Satanist because those are two of my favorite things. (laughs) And yet, fears of satanic cults that abduct and sacrifice people exist to this day. We might just take a look at that occult awareness manual in a future episode, and maybe even cover the satanic panic as a whole. That's definitely a gigantic topic, so we'll see. Now, every year we get a story about the police getting called out to investigate a dead body in a yard, only to find out that it's just a morbid Halloween decoration. Halloween is a celebration of the macabre... Macabre? Macabre. Macabre. I am done with words. (laughs) This is BS. (laughs) Why is there an R in it? Just like in the Sam Hain. Why is there an M in there? Why is there an S at the end of Arkansas? You could say Arkansas. 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 Anyways. Okay. Sorry. Continue. (laughs) Halloween is a celebration of the macabre. So. It is the perfect opportunity for the more exuberant neighbors to push the envelope when it comes to festive decor. Bloody remains, scattered bones, and hanging corpses are somewhat the norm. But what about the opposite? This next legend is a simple one. Halloween decorations that turn out to be actual bodies. Are we going to debunk this myth as well? I did see a 
couple pictures of a guy's Halloween decorations that people call the cops on him all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. Some people go all out and they put they like wrap uh, trash bags up with oh. duct tape and they put stuff inside to make it look like bodies. He had a guy hanging from his roof, like that was the, he had blood. Oh wow! Down the roof, like he was. Yeah, it was crazy. Anyways, unfortunately, no. This legend is real and is actually somewhat common. The case that seemed to garner the most media attention and may have even started these legends, quote unquote, occurred in October of 2005 in Frederica, Delaware. The body of a 42-year-old woman was suspended from a tree by a busy road in public view for hours. Many people noticed the corpse but assumed it to be a Halloween prop. Eventually, police arrived on scene and discovered that this was actually the result of a tragic death by suicide. So yeah, this definitely not an isolated incident happens. I can see a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate, but it happens. It would be a perfect uh, time for like uh, serial killers and stuff to like, you know, how people put like scarecrows on tractors and right. Right. Like just put their corpse up there and put a pumpkin on its head and you can store it for a month, you know, (laughs) figure out what you're going to do with it. (laughs) Store it for a month. (laughs) <laughs> in the cold autumn air yeah <laughs> gary you're you're not allowed to back to my back in my house for, for the rest of autumn sadly there have been several instances of these cases even as recent as october of 2020 uh we know this is a bummer of a topic so we'll move on quickly but if you're having suicidal thoughts please know that help is available i'll leave a link to the suicide prevention lifeline website in the show notes of this episode but yeah, that's uh, one of the urban legends that's not actually a legend. So yeah. definitely thought I would include that one. But now let's get to the really spooky stuff. Yeah. The stuff that made us poop ourselves when we were The stuff shaking. that you listen to this podcast for. Yeah. Some Halloween legends we can relay to you as spooky stories. But before that, let's briefly look into the mirror for our <clears throat> honorable mention. The legend of Bloody Mary. Now, it's only an honorable mention because Darren already did a whole mini so dedicated to this female phantom, but we'll briefly discuss her here. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. Like a boss. <laughs> Bloody Mary has her roots in captromancy. Captromancy? Yeah. How you say that? Right. Captromancy. That's how I said it. <laughs> Practice of divination using a mirror. The ritual as we know it today seems to have started in the early 1970s and consists of staring into a mirror in a dimly lit room and chanting bloody mary usually three or 13 times three or 13 yeah it's somewhere between there's it's you, you those you, the usual ones but the 13 times sounds exhausting yeah i think i always did it three times yeah i've, al- I've always happened. heard it is three but I'm, I'm sure in some various regions there's 13 times but this causes the titular app- apparition to appear in the mirror She's been known to appear as a flesh and blood witch, a corpse, or a ghost, and screams at the participants or even scratches out their eyes. She you never did ever, that to uh, me. Yeah, about to say, have yeah, you guys I've ever done, done, that done a ton the... of times. Um, I was always the friend at sleepovers that would be the only one that would do it. <laughs> it's kind of like the thing with the, we'll do the, the tarot readings and stuff like that. Yeah. But we'll just refuse to do the Ouija board just in case. <laughs> yeah, just in case. It's, it's kind of like that with me. I just don't. I don't know. I just you don't want to I see Bloody Mary. Is what I you're just to don't say. want to risk it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see Bloody Mary, Lindsay? Um, no. No. Doesn't your eyes make it just like f with you and like? Yeah, I, I no. basically go into the quote science of it in that minisode. So it, if you're okay, yeah, I need. I don't. I'm probably listening. But to yeah, it. the low lights um, and your 
basically your the low reflection. light. And you, yeah, you're looking at your reflection. There's low light, and your uh, your brain is constantly looking for patterns. But due to you staring at yourself for a long time and the low light, it will almost cause your face to like shift hmm. and stuff because it, just, because it doesn't know what else to do. It's constantly Kinda looking like for new information. Like magic eye books, like the way yeah, you're yeah, yeah. And your, yeah, yeah. Your brain is constantly looking for new information. So if it sees the same thing over and over again, especially in shadowy light, then it'll, it, it'll cause it. It'll look for more information where there is none, and it'll cause like a little optical illusion. Hmm. Um, so if you are interested in hearing more, definitely go check out that minisode. Although it is some of our earliest work, um, so it may be a little rough. I actually did the Bloody Mary thing too when I was a. Uh, researching the minisode i didn't see anything i didn't even see my face shift at all uh-huh. but a little part of me was like oh thank god i'm proud of you because <laughs> i seriously thought you would have like avoided that you know we did it we did it three times so maybe it really is the 13 times maybe that's why we didn't see her. why didn't that we could do be that the problem, yeah because i've always done it three why didn't we do that at the crescent hotel well we're looking we for the done. ghost of the crescent hotel we I weren't know. looking for bloody mary i know we should have done some creepy ghost stuff ghost at crescent hotel ghost at crescent hotel ghost well, I th- what was her name? Was it like Loretta or something like that? Uh, That's whose room we stayed I in. I can't remember. Dang name. But honestly, we probably should have brought like a Ouija board. I'd do it there. Should have. I'm not doing it I in my house, it. but I would do it there. And I'm not keeping the Ouija board. <laughs> You're leaving it there. <laughs> yeah, like, I'll leave it there. So people, so the next guest will come in. They'll like look around and be like, what the hell is a Ouija board? <laughs> I think I have, <laughs> Just I think I have a like a Parker brother Ouija board. Oh, there somewhere. you go. Yeah. Yeah, I got one for fireplace. Christmas one year when I was a teenager. Because there was a fireplace. It's a great room. Christmas gift. Ouija board. Oh, I bet. Did you ever use it? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Did, did, there, did anything ever happen? Did you make mm, contact? No, not, nothing that's memorable enough for me to remember now. Did you oh, open a pair of portals? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we actually did cover the Ouija board in an earlier episode, too. So check it out. We're just mm-hmm. going to keep plugging our episodes mm-hmm. all throughout this. <laughs> all right. And now it is time for some hair-raising Halloween tales. It's time for Spooky Stories. Spooky Stories. This first story comes to us from Spooky Campfire Tales by S.E. Schlosser. It should be familiar to you. Perhaps a little too familiar. The reports had been on the radio all day, although she hadn't paid much attention to them. Some crazy man had escaped from the state asylum. They were calling him the Hook Man since he had lost his right arm and had replaced it with a hook. He was a killer, and everyone in the region was warned to keep watch and report anything suspicious. But this didn't interest her. She was more worried about what to wear on her dates. After several consultation calls with friends, she chose a blue outfit in the very latest style and was ready and waiting on the porch when her boyfriend came to pick her up in his car. They went to a drive-in movie with another couple, but then dropped them off and went parking in the local lover's lane. The blue outfit was a hit, and she cuddled close to her boyfriend as they kissed to the sound of romantic music on the radio. Then the announcer came on and repeated the warning she had heard that afternoon. An insane killer with a hook in place of his right hand was loose in the area. Suddenly, the dark moonless night didn't seem so romantic to her. The lover's lane was secluded and off the beaten track. A perfect spot for a deranged madman to lurk, she thought, pushing her amorous boyfriend away. Maybe we should get out of here, she said. That hookman sounds dangerous. 
Oh, come on, babe. It's nothing, her boyfriend said, trying to get in another kiss. She pushed him away again. No, really, we're all alone out here and I'm scared, she said. They argued for a moment, then the car shook a bit, as if something, or someone, had touched it. She gave a shriek, and she said, Ah, get us out of here now! Jeez, her boyfriend said in disgust, but he turned the key and went roaring out of the lover's lane with the screeching of his tires. They drove home in stony silence, and when they pulled into her driveway, he refused to help her out of the car. He was being so unreasonable, she fumed to herself. She opened the door and stepped into her driveway with her chin up and her lips set. Whirling around, she slammed the door as hard as she could, and then she screamed. Ah! Gary jumped. I was kind of half expecting it, but I wasn't expecting it to be that loud. So I was like, oh. <laughs> Her boyfriend leapt out of the car and caught her in his arms. What is it? What's wrong? He shouted. Then he saw it. A bloody hook hung from the middle of the passenger side door. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. This seems uh, familiar to you guys, doesn't it? No. No? No? Come on. Really? Yeah. Wow. Never heard of Hook Man. There you go. Mm-mm. It's actually it's one of the more famous story urban <laughs> legends out there. Oh well, now you know. Uh, well, this of course is the legend of the Hook Man that <laughs> the, I've never heard of. <laughs> very well known, yet no one's heard of Hook Man. An urban legend about a killer with a rain hat and coat that covers his appearance in the darkness, and of course has a sharp hook for a hand. And very much like Jason Voorhees of the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, the Hook Man does not approve of salacious teens having premarital sex. No, he does not. You've heard of Jason Voorhees, right? I have. <laughs> Lindsay? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he does approve of salacious teens having premarital sex because that's his favorite time to kill them. Yeah. As a punishment for having salacious teen sex. <laughs> I guess you're right. Or he's just kind of into it. Yeah, maybe. Halloween sadism. <laughs> <laughs> the exact origin of this urban legend is unknown. But it seems the story began to circulate in the 1950s and may have been inspired by the real-life Lover Lane slayings that occurred in Texarkana in 1946. I'm plucking another episode. We actually covered the Texarkana Moonlight Murders in our Creepy Legends of Arkansas episodes. The legend likely gained national attention when a similar story, as we just relayed to you, was published in a Dear Abbey column. As for the interpretation of the legend, folklorists have a variety of speculations. Alan Dundee's interpretation is that the hook is a phallic symbol, which means penis, and the loss of the hand represents emasculation, and that the hook man attacks horny teens due to his own sexual frustration. How very Freudian of him. Um, Other folklorists, like Bill Ellis, the hook man acts as society's morality archetype, interrupting the teens' sexual desires as they are viewed as immoral. As Ellis puts it, The threat of the Hookman is not the normal sex drive of teenagers, but the abnormal drive of semi-dots to keep them apart. I don't know what I was going for there. Yes, the very French folklorist, Bill (laughs) Ellis, the most French name I've ever heard. So, I mean, if you're going to break it down, I think this would be the way to go as far as speculation. Or it could just be like, hey, these murders happened in Texarkana. Here's another story to spook people. 
I don't think all these urban legends are as deep as people want them to be. I think they they just happen because people like stories. The Hookman is also a bit of a pop culture icon. Um, apparently, not, not that much. <laughs> I was, say, was there even a movie about him? <laughs> yes, actually. Hmm. With countless horror movies and tales spawning from this legend, including films like Friday the 13th, I Know What You Did Last Summer, which has a literal hookman in a raincoat and hat. I'm seeing a horror movie poster right now and it's a guy with a hook that's attached to a chain but he's holding the hook yeah so i don't know what movie that is but anyways if he's using a hook this is the uh this is the urban legend that inspired it i got you uh the candy man he has a hook and several others perhaps even inspiring the entire slasher horror genre as a whole whether this the particular hook man story sounds familiar to you or not we're all familiar with slasher flicks and these all stemmed from the Hookman Urban Legend. Huh. The Scythe, right? Is that the name? Scythe. Scythe. But no, there's a hook. A, a scythe is the thing that Grim Reaper carries around. Oh, okay. My bad. Yeah. All right. But the little shorter version is a sickle, which is also not a, a sickle. Hook. That's what I was thinking <laughs> of. Okay. Well, our final spooky story also comes to us from S.E. Slosher. This time from his work, Spooky Maryland. After a long day of unlucky hunting, I found myself stuck in the middle of the marshlands for the night, without a flashlight or a lantern to guide my stumbling steps. So I settled beside a fallen log to rest until daylight. As I tossed and turned, I recalled the story my great uncle told me about a ghost that haunted the marshlands. There was once a man named Jack who was a nasty fellow. He beat his wife and kids and was an all-around bad chap. Jack got worse and worse as the years rolled by. But finally, Jack's body got so worn out that he died. He went up to heaven, but St. Peter refused to let such a wretched fellow in. Then he went to hell, but the devil barred the door as soon as he saw Jack coming and wouldn't let him in either. Go away and don't come back, the devil told Jack. How am I supposed to get back in the dark? Jack grumbled. Give me a lantern. So the devil threw a chunk of molten fire out to Jack, who took it for his lantern and went back to Earth, where he wanders forever through the swamps and marshlands of the Earth, a bitter spirit whose only delight was in luring the unwary to their doom with his lamp. At this juncture in my musings, I happened to look out over the marshes and noticed a blinking light in the fog. Is that you, Jack-o'-lantern? I called jovially. Jack. A voice whispered back. I was seriously spooked. I clutched my gun to my chest, the hairs on my arms standing on end. Had that been an echo of my voice, or was someone out here with me? Who's there? I shouted, trying to sound brave and menacing. I waved my gun around. Show yourself at once. Jack, Jack. The voice hissed from a completely different section of the swamp. A light blinked on and then off, on and then off. Shudders ran up my spine at the sound of that ghastly voice coming from nowhere. I huddled up against a log, wanting something firm at my back. Suddenly, the story of the jack-o'-lantern didn't seem so funny. My heart was pounding so hard it made my chest hurt. I strained my ears in the silence that fell over the swamp. Jack, Jack, Jack. The voice hissed from somewhere to the left this time. The light blinked on, off, on. I counted ten heartbeats this time before it went off. 
The voice sounded closer. I held very still, my instinct screaming at me to hold my breath and not move until the menace had passed. The voice came again, far off to the right. It hissed. The light came on. Off. On. Off. It's moving away, I thought, relaxing just a bit, feeling safer. There was a long, long, long silence. Nothing stirred. Not the wind in the grass. Not the frogs or turtles in the water. Not the cricket or the night's insects. The voice hissed softly right into my ear. And I looked up into the glowing red eyes and twisted face of the jack-o'-lantern. I screamed and lashed out at it with my gun. I ran a few steps, tripped and fell over, knocking my head on a sharp stone. For a moment I saw stars, and I felt blood pouring from my scalp. But the jack-o'-lantern was right behind me. I had to get away. I rolled and fell into a deep pool. I plunged underneath the water, flailing desperately against rope-like grasses that tried to keep me down. My head finally burst out of the water and I gasped desperately for air, treading water as best as I could with my trembling limbs and aching head. I heard the creature laugh in the mist. Check, check, check. The voice hissed delightedly and the light blinked on, off, on, right over my head, blinding my dazed eyes as horror flowed through me and froze my limbs so I could no longer swim. For a long moment, the grotesque face and red eyes of the jack-o'-lantern loomed out of the mist before my petrified gaze. My head started to swim with pain from my bleeding skull. The evil face above me, lit by its bright light, whirled around and around, growing dimmer as my eyes started to glaze. I was vaguely aware that I should keep swimming, keep trying to make my way to the edge of the pool, but the effort was too much for my suddenly heavy limbs. I barely noticed myself plunging down and down into the watery depths of the pool, too stunned by my injury to fight my way to the surface for a second time. Then there was only darkness and silence and a voice hissing in cold triumph. Jack, Jack, Jack. All right, so fun little spooky story to wrap this up. I did like that one. Yeah, that, that was a good one. I was reading it and I was like, this is perfect. Very, uh, very Halloween themed. So this one is more just a fun ghost story than an urban legend, but it did give one brief version of the Irish legend of Stingy Jack, a.k.a. Jack of the Lantern, the origin of the pumpkin lanterns we love to carve for Halloween today. I'm going to save a more detailed exploration of this legend for a future episode. And that's it. The origin, debunking, and even the confirmation of various Halloween urban legends. If there's one we missed please let us know by emailing us at snipepumppodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. So which one was your, uh, which one did you find most interesting? Which legend? The most interesting yeah. or the most horrifying? Yes. Hmm. Bloody Mary horrifies me. Yeah. But I really enjoyed the Jack story. I think I like the Jack Lindsay? story too. The Jack story is really good. I, I really, I really like doing the research for this one. I really liked researching all the candy, the various candy myths. Um, because there was actually a lot of information about it and Joel Best went, the sociologist went really deep into research on this. And from my research standpoint, that was definitely the most interesting one to me. Hmm. I don't know. When I think of objects and candy, I just always chalk it up to BS. Cause right. never, you, can, you know, kind of just roll your yeah. eyes a bit. Yeah. I just like, I, I remember every time my, my ex-wife saying, check the candy, check the candy. And I'm like, oh, golly, like, <laughs> 
Why? I mean, just kids, if it looks if it looks weird, don't eat it. If it tastes funny, don't eat it. No. <laughs> don't swallow it. Yeah. So Jax, Marys, and other cats, if you like the show, of course you know what to do. Give us a rating on whatever app you use if it'll let you. Uh, give us some spooky stars and just leave a creepy comment on why you like the show. Or call us a couple jerk-offs. <laughs> <laughs> Gary's not salty about that at all. No, I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I went to show Lindsay. Please follow us on social media. Send us a message about anything. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, as well as Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, and even TikTok. The links to most of those are in the show notes of the episode. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I'm posting on TikTok. Yeah, you are. Gary, despite promising, has still yet, every every time we record an episode, <laughs> Gary's like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't <laughs> done anything on there yet. Give it time. <laughs> You have the login. You have everything you need. You have a phone. <laughs> Check out our tiers on Patreon to see if you're interested in voting for future frightening episodes and or the bonus content we have on there, including early access to episodes via our raw and uncut versions, which I can guarantee are terrifying in their own way. And I will post it tonight. I won't wait like three days later. No, that's fine. Whatever. That's cool. Um, and Stephanie just likes to get them. She's nipping at the, the what would the word be? I'm trying to go back to the 50s. Nipping at the nipping at the bud, isn't it? Nipping at the bud. Yeah, yeah like nip. the bud of a rose when you nip the, the rose off. <laughs> there you go. I heard it was like biting at the bit or something like that. Oh yeah. Like the I've horse, heard that too. The horse biting analogy. The yeah. yeah. Lindsay, our raw and uncut episodes are just uh the totally unedited versions of the episode. So right. every mess up we did here today, you'll there's, be able to hear it on Patreon. No, yeah, there's no there's no the audio is how those it are the is. ones I would I want. I'm gonna have to join the Patreon. Yeah, it's a it's Do it's set up you, as a recurring fee, but you can just pay. You can pay for it once. You can get all the content, and then you yeah, can cancel it. Exactly. That's what I did with this other podcast that I listened to. I signed up for the Patreon just so I could listen to listen to everything, and then I just canceled it. Yeah, yeah, and that's perfectly fine. All Either right. way, uh, the podcast is still getting the money, so that's yeah. always good. And as usual, if you have a topic suggestion, a question, comment, criticism. Or if you have a story about Halloween or anything else, please contact us on social media or email us at snipehuntpodcast at gmail.com and let us know if you'd like to hear your story in one of our future encounters episodes. Lindsay, I appreciate you coming on. I really do. This is fun. Thank you. Where are you? Are you here? You're welcome. Oh. Yeah, but I didn't have any green. <laughs> no, there you go. no, that was no, I was, I wasn't reading. I mean, I knew I was supposed to. It. I don't know. I just no. I really, I do really. Do. I, I appreciate you doing this. It was fun. It was no, fun. No, yeah, because, definitely. And yeah, you were you were a great guest. So and then and then you're uh, gonna go on Quip Talk, aren't you? I'm gonna maybe. Yeah. Yes, I, I mean, want him I, to. Any anytime, anytime they want me, I'll I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. So definitely uh, check out when Gary goes on there and check it out before then as well. Let's go ahead and end on the final joke. Oh boy. All right. Guys, why do demons and ghouls hang out together? Gary likes to try to figure these out before yeah, I give him the punchline. Because yeah. I know it's going to be a play on words. Yes. No. You are correct. Demons and ghouls. This one is especially punny. Oh, shoot. <laughs> demons and ghouls. Uh, I don't know. I was about to say, this is great podcast yeah. material. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Demons yeah. and ghouls. Demons yeah. and ghouls. Okay. It's because, Gary, demons are a ghoul's best friend. 
you know, like diamonds are a girl's best friend. Oh. Demons are a ghoul's best friend. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. All right, guys. Have a good one. Have a happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Halloween is a celebration built on legends and rituals, so the many urban myths connected with this haunted holiday are appropriate. Luckily for us, these legends are just that. Legends. They stem from the negative connotations associated with this festival of the dead that can be traced all the way back to its conception. But beware, as these urban legends are sometimes born from terrifying truth. So beware of the hook, of the hag, and watch your candy bag, as Halloween is the night of frightening folklore. Once again, we want to thank you for listening to Snipe Hunt. Your listening has been noted and will be reported to the proper authorities. All audio used was done so under fair use. The music you have heard in this episode was composed by Mayu, Nature World 1986, and in Studios. We'll continue to search for the unexplained and hopefully see you on the next hunt. And we're done. That was awesome. That was, that was a good episode. Yeah, that thanks was- for coming on, Lindsay. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, I Anytime. hope you hope you hope you come on again. I was so nervous. I was <laughs> like, I, was I hate reading aloud. Oh my god, this is gonna be. But you're good at it. Terrible. No, you are really and good I at knew it. Knew you were gonna be good at it.